It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 419 of Locked On Raptors for Monday. This will be Monday, I guess. Monday, November 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, as always, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with a whole bunch of hosts from across the network, including David Locke, and we've got weekly contributions from uh, Ben Golliver and Sam Amick as well over on Locked On NBA, so make sure you're finding that show. And also the NFL side of things. Today was, uh, I think, a week of football, I, I guess. I don't know. I didn't watch any today. My fantasy team's not doing so hot. I know that's true, but if you are a fantasy football player, if you're just a fan of an NFL team, check out the Locked On NFL Network as well. We've got Locked On Fantasy. I think two Locked On Fantasy shows going on over there. We've got all the, the team focus shows too. So make sure you are finding the show that you like. And if you find one you like and find a host that you want to support, the best way to do that is to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It's uh, very helpful. Five stars, as always, is uh, deeply, deeply appreciated. And uh, we're doing really well with the ratings and reviews on Lockdown Raptors, and I'd like to keep that up. So thanks to everyone who's taken the time to do it before. And if you haven't, please get on that, and I will be forever indebted to you. Also, you can check out my Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com slash Raptors for premium podcasts. we got four episodes up now. Missed last week because I was insanely busy, but this week we're going to have two podcasts coming up, including on Wednesday, myself and Blake Murphy. You know Blake. Uh, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Jose Calderon job battles. So... If that's something you want to hear, you will only be able to hear that if you are a $5 or more subscriber to the Patreon page. So please get on that if you want to hear that. And uh, thank you very much for anyone who has considered it or taken the leap and given me some money. It really, really helps me out and makes me uh, able to do more stuff that I like to do instead of stuff that I don't like to do. So that's my self-promotion. Today's show begins now, and I'm joined by our pal Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not that much. Just hanging out. On this Sunday, as I know this is going out on Monday, but... It's probably going out on Sunday, really, but no one's going to listen to it on a Sunday. Come on, who's listening to a podcast Sunday night? That's not a podcasting hour. This is a Monday morning content for your morning commute. All right, all right, all right. So let's give the people what they want then. Yeah, Uh, so the Raptors played two games over the weekend. I figured it'd just be easier to talk about both of them in one podcast, uh, even though they're very, very different in tone and tenor. Friday they lost to the Boston Celtics in overtime, 123-116, and a bit of a bummer finish uh, for, for what was a pretty good game. Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors games... 
extremely good and entertaining, as it turns out. Um, so we'll talk about that first, and uh, but we're also going to talk about the uh, Raptors and Bulls as well. The Raptors uh, shit-kicked the very terrible Bulls, 122-83, uh, and we'll get to that in a sec. But let's start with the Boston game. And I'll give you my, uh, my my basic, general, always go-to opening question for you, Vivek. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' loss to Boston on Friday? Biggest takeaway is that when Kyrie Irving gets going, there is nothing you can do. God. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter who you throw at him. It doesn't matter how many bodies you show. He's going to find a way to slither through, um, kind of pirouette, do whatever he wants at the rim and finish left hand, right hand, off the glass, whatever. Um, yeah, he is so, so special um, when he has it going like that. And if that, but, but the thing I think about is if that's what it's going to take on their home floor with Pascal Siakam fouling out, with Danny Green fouling out, with, uh, you know, OG Ananobi leaving the game, with CJ Miles out, Norman Powell out, um, you got to like the Raptors' chances if health is equal. That was a very Sean Woodley take right there. I I appreciate the hell out of that. That was a very it's fine take. Um, and that's a good we're, point though. We're spending too much time together. Apparently, uh, it's a good point though, man. Like it was a very close game that required overtime, and I, I guess the Raptors just kind of ran out of dudes in overtime. I guess is kind of mostly the problem. After Pascal fell out, they already were missing Danny Green, um, and then when you're out, pretty much every single one of your wings except for Kawhi, that's gonna be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. So not entirely surprising that they ended up having it slip away. My biggest take is that that uh, game should be there should be ties in the NBA. This was such a fun game that I don't like. It kind of felt like it deserved a tie, and overtime was kind of a buzzkill. And I don't really remember anything from the overtime. And that's I think my prevailing takeaway with most things is I don't remember much from most overtimes. So give me ties in the NBA. Maybe that makes me disgusting, but uh, there've been a lot of ties in the NFL this year, and they've been super fun, and I enjoy them. I miss the NHL having ties back in the day. I don't know. Am I weird for wanting ties? I think it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, 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 I just think of, you know, Kawhi missing that shot at the end, and then you just, yeah, let's call it a game and shake hands. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it would be a weird thing to move to. Uh, so I'm okay with the overtimes. It's only another five minutes, and I always like free basketball, especially if you if you pay a ticket to be at the game. There's nothing like free basketball. So I guess um, I just remember when Kyle Lowry hit that half court shot against the the Heat, and then it went to overtime, and overtime happened, and no one knows what happened because the shot was so awesome, and the Raptors ended up losing. I know it's a playoff game, but why not have ties you can't and play? Make the playoff game in a tie, Sean. Why not? Just play another. Just go eight. It's fine. No, no. <laughs> not, with that series, no. <laughs> oh yeah, eight bad. games of that series. That uh, yeah, that's that's cruel and unusual punishment for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kyrie Irving, he's extremely good. Um, I still think both playing at their peak, it's still a very real conversation, Kyle Lowry or Kyrie Irving. Obviously, Kyrie has an insanely high ceiling that Kyle just can't reach offensively, but all the other stuff that Kyle does, I kind of prefer to what Kyrie offers in the similar um, sort of skill. So like this was a conversation, I, I think. I, I think actually Raptors HQ had a post the day of the of the the game where it was like comparing the two depth charts and the they said that Kyle Lowry was an, a, a, an advantage over Kyrie Irving I don't know if I'd say it's an advantage per se but I, I do think 
I think coming into the season, there was definitely this whole, this whole like, oh, Kyle is you know way behind the Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Jason Tatum sort of triumvirate. Maybe he's closer to you know J- Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown than he is to being the second best player in the series. I don't totally buy that. Although maybe with Kyle not playing super well the last little while, and in the Celtics game he was three of twelve, so maybe it's not the best time to compare them. But still, I, I think. The way Kyrie and Kyle match up is always fascinating. They've always been a very interesting and sort of back-and-forth type of matchup, and I think both guys have had big games against each other. So um, I wouldn't be too discouraged by this if you're like a Raptors fan looking and trying to like stack up the two teams with each other because down night for Kyle, but Kyrie also had one of those nights. It reminded me of the game, uh, I think it might have been game, what game was this? Game four. Of the 2016 Eastern Conference Finals, Raptors-Cavs, when the Cavs hit like 11 straight shots in the fourth quarter, and a lot of that was Kyrie doing stuff, and I remember talking to Corey Joseph after the game, and just like, asking him what it's like to have to guard Kyrie when he's that hot, and he just like shook his head and was like, I don't even know, man, I felt like I was doing a really good job, and it just didn't matter, (laughs) (laughs) and like, that's the kind of thing that uh, Kyrie's capable of that I don't think Kyle is, but... Um, yeah, not the best night from some of the other Celtics, including Jalen Brown, who is bad now, and it's good for the Raptors if you're looking at this matchup for Jalen Brown yeah. to suck. He's shooting like 18% on wide open threes this season. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, if you're a Raptors fan, not nice if you're a Celtics fan, I suppose, or a Jalen Brown investor. But um, I guess the big thing about this game, the big sort of confrontation point afterwards, aside from like a couple fouls here and there, which I don't care to talk about, but um, the last play regulation we've already kind of touched on it the Raptors had the last shot Kyle uh, Kawhi Leonard missed the shot he isolated I think Marcus Morris I believe if I'm not mistaken and mm-hmm. missed the shot and after the game Nick Nurse addressed this he was asked by uh, about it by Eric Kareen and I'm, gonna, I'm just I'm just gonna play his response here and we can talk about it so here it is well in that scenario with uh, with the shot clock you know it's gonna be the last shot of the game the main the main thing is is, is you're just gonna you know we're gonna hold it for the very last shot, right? So that nothing bad happens and they can get a rebound and call it a timeout and advance it, et cetera. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's just man on man, and, and you hope your guy can can make the basket, and and we have a lot of faith in him that he can. So, what was your response? There was kind of some, I think, negative backlash to this quote from Nurse on Friday night, but just sort of the lack of. I guess imagination, I, I suppose, when it came to drawing up this play. There were, I think, like 24.3 seconds or something on the clock. That there was Obviously, you wanted to hold it for the last shot. I don't think anyone's disputing that, but um, the way he just said, hey, it's man-on-man and you hope you can score, kind of Casey-ish <laughs> a little bit. And if there was a thing that everyone really pointed to in terms of Nurse, that that's going to be entirely different than Casey, that you could sort of tell from the jump it was good, that he was going to be more experienced, you know, he was going to experiment more and try some new stuff and maybe not get stuck in some of the sort of go-to cliche moves at the end of games. What was your response to Nurse's explanation of why they just ISO'd Kawhi on Marcus Morris to close the game? I was fine with it. I thought yeah. it was just an honest explanation uh you know basketball is a game of trade-offs and if you look for to run plays and you you do take on the risk of turning the ball over and setting up easy transition opportunities for uh, the opposition and the last thing you want to do is give up something like that on the last possession of the game uh Kawhi Leonard is someone who in isolation uh should have an advantage over most players you look at the shot that he got uh it was a pretty clean look 
it seemed like he had good balance on the shot, just missed it. Is mm. that something he'll make as the season goes along? Is that something that he will maybe just get that step on Marcus Morris and take all the way to the rack? Maybe. So I think there is an element of Kawhi still coming back and those things looking a lot better. Uh, uh, and frankly, we saw you know in that second game of the season where the Raptors went to Kawhi in the post and because he made so many of those it didn't even have to come down to the last shot the Raptors just buried the game mm-hmm. uh, so uh, there were a lot of things that happened before that that put it down to that last shot so it's easy to magnify that um, now if you want to really get into the isolation um, if you maybe want to criticize one thing it was perhaps the lack of action that was happening outside of that that can maybe you know just create something create an angle for a pass or an easier shot for someone else Mm -hmm. you look at the way that developed Kyle Lowry literally just walked all the way to the corner right Um, so you want to see more aggressiveness from the other guys just keeping those Celtics defenders engaged because I do think it is a problem in isolation when you allow the opposition's defenders to just hone in on one guy Mm -hmm. if you have those actions happening away from the ball then I think it makes things a lot easier um, now that might just also be a comfort thing, right? These guys getting used to playing with each other and, uh, maybe Kawhi just saying, Hey, no, this is the matchup I want. Like, I don't want to run the risk of having actions outside of the play that might allow the Celtics to switch. So, um, that's another thing to consider. Uh, but overall, um, I'm not too concerned with giving Kawhi the ball uh, in the last seconds of the game. Um, frankly, the more often that happens and the more often he makes them, those are signature moments that's, that are going to make it harder for him to leave. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm all <laughs> for that part of it. Um, if there is another aspect to this, it's the stuff you brought, about, uh, brought up about Kyrie versus Kyle. Mm-hmm. And so just the lack of shot creation when Kyle doesn't have the three ball going Um, that is something that I think is a concern when you look at obviously we've talked about the hierarchy being established with Kawhi and Kyle and then you go down the line from there Um, most nights this season so far it's been Serge, Uh, Siakam's obviously come along but um, if there is one thing that you want Kyle to do and this was something that he did a great job of in the 15-16 season where he was able to you know get that step and then pull up uh, whether it was going to his it was mostly going to his left mm. um, if he could get that little mid-range shot back uh, where he's able to create that separation and go up with that that would be great um, I also think he's become um, I don't know if assist happy is a, is the word but there are times I've noticed more and more uh, maybe courtesy of this hot start with the assist and leading the league in that category where he's getting to the rim and it seems like he has more of an eye for getting it out to the corner or getting it to a cutting guy when even you know he got the layup right in front of him um, so just being more of a scoring factor I think will make things easier for Kawhi um, and you know, and everyone else. So I think that aspect has to uh, improve in the big games where mm-hmm. he needs to recognize the value of his own scoring, which is something, you know, goes back to even Jose Calderon. He never valued his shot enough. And yeah. Kyle, as the best, pretty much the, the best shooter on the team, has to value his scoring more. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since he has that. Even I know it's a three. We were talking about, like, non-three-point 
Kyle. You know, mm-hmm. The fact that he's such a good pull-up guy around screens, like he, he hasn't really had that all that much. A lot of his threes, I feel like this season, have been kind of within the flow of the offense and the half court, and then a lot of you know transition pull-ups and stuff like that. But yep. um, like th- just sort of doing the Steph Curry, Dane Lillard thing, where he can kind of create his own shot and get it off in that little inch of space coming around a screen. Like he hasn't done that a ton, and he can definitely go to that more. And yeah, I do think there's probably a little bit of like the me playing NBA 2K and trying to break the Scott Skiles assist record in a single game with a guy type of syndrome coming in for him a little bit. Like, yeah, it's easy for him to get assists. So like, why not to see how many he can get? And, you know, there's a nice element to that in which he's, like, involving everybody and everyone's getting their looks, and that's nice to see. But, yeah, sometimes I would not hate to see him go for a little bit more. Maybe he's just not at that point of his career anymore, right? Like, I still think he has the ability to get separation and you know I think that little sort of step back to the left we saw it a little bit early on I guess this season when he was kind of putting up bigger scoring numbers it's kind of dipped a little mm-hmm. bit lately as I guess his shooting has come back down to a human level but um, I still think it's there and his burst to sort of get to the rim was there in a way we didn't see it last year and, and kind of against say the Wizards in the playoffs for example where you couldn't get by anybody you know what, yeah. whether it was a big guy switched on to him or not he just like it felt like that was gone and that at the start of the year, it seemed like it was back. Maybe not so much the last couple of games, but um, I don't really have huge issues with how Kyle's playing. I think maybe he's kind of taking a step back, and we'll talk about the Bulls game in a sec, but I, I think the way that he kind of, you know, just kind of let Fred and DeLon do more of the work, especially Fred since he started yesterday, like, I don't think that's a bad thing either to try to get everyone involved. That's what Kyle does, man. Like, he's, he's yeah. trying to get the whole team going at the same time, sometimes at the expense of himself. Um, just quickly to touch on the... Nick Nurse thing as well, the the, the the statement there. Like, I ag- agree with you pretty much entirely. Like, I don't think there's all that much reason to be upset about it. It's, A, it's like the best defense in the league. So you're at a heightened risk anyway of doing something where they're going to take advantage if you're trying to run some intricate stuff and have a lot of ball movement. Like, that's a team that can take advantage of that and turn you over and make it a bad thing that you're going to pay for at the other end. And also, just like in terms of the off-ball stuff, if there's one thing that maybe I, I was a little bit perturbed by, it's that like they didn't even try to get, you know, like the classic Lowry DeRozan pick-and-roll thing where you try to get a switch there and get the right guy on you. Like that was kind of a bread-and-butter play for them, especially against teams like uh, the, the Cavs with Kyrie Irving, right? Or I guess last right. year's Celtics too, where they would really try to take advantage of Kyrie or Isaiah Thomas, I guess, in, in different Celtics iterations in the past. And maybe the Celtics would be more disciplined with trying to not have that switch. We, I don't really know how much we saw that um, at all in the game on Friday or, or either of the games so far this season. But might as well try to see if you can get that switch. And if not, hey, you still have Marcus Morris on Kawhi. Um, so maybe that's something I would have liked to see. But in terms of like off-ball stuff, I mean, who are you trying to fool, really? I think everyone kind of knows what's coming there to begin with. And then the Celtics are the kind of team that's just going to switch everything anyway, right? You're not really going to confuse them, I don't think, with like a couple little screens off the ball on the weak side away from where Kawhi's isoing. So I just, I think with where, considering the defense, like if this is like the Bulls defense, fine, run all the shit you want, try to do something intricate. But against the Celtics where it's just like a heightened risk with everything you do and every time the ball is not in the player's hands, then, you know, I'm, I'm very okay with what happened, and you live with it, and the overtime got away from them, that's fine. Um, ultimately, I don't think it's a terrible loss. 
Uh, I want to talk about that in just a second, though, but I want to first tell you about the Locked On Podcast Network social media feeds. Make sure you are checking out Locked On NBA Net and Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, really cool things are going on are going on over there. If you follow the Twitter accounts, it's just pretty much every host in the network is getting retweeted by that account. So if you don't want to go around and follow 60 hosts from whatever the NFL or NBA networks, you can just... So subscribe or follow to this account or follow this account and you'll get all of their stuff just retweeted into your feed uh, it's great during games they, great when uh, big big stories are breaking stuff like that so make sure you're following Locked on NBA Net or Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and then on Instagram we're posting little snippets of the podcast you can go listen to the bigger things by clicking on the link in the bio and uh, also a very good resource as well on Instagram Locked on NBA Net and Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, so before we get to the Bulls game, which we don't need to spend too much time on because who cares, really? Um, we'll, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some good stuff that came from the Raptors-Celtics game. For me... It was like the second quarter, the sort of the, the, the where they I think there was like a twenty one seven run after it seemed like things were kind of getting away. I believe it was like forty four thirty three at one point for Boston. Raptors called a timeout and then the starters essentially went on one of their crazy defense, turned that defense into offense runs like we saw at the end yeah. of the game against the Celtics. What did you think of like? Is that going to become a lineup where, like, you're just going to be thrilled every time it's on the court? Like, the starters have been so goddamn good. And I th- I, how do you think it plays, especially against the Celtics? Uh, I think it, I think it plays out very well. I mean, I think that it, that was my big away, biggest takeaway too. The, after the way they closed against the Pistons, after the the way they were kind of passive against uh, the Pelicans, you wanted to see the return of uh, those defensive runs. And so we saw that against the Celtics um, mm-hmm. till Kyrie got, you know, <laughs> went into bonkers mode. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think I think this team matches up very well. Uh, you look at the things that they've set them up, set themselves up to do. It's to be able to switch. It's to be able to shoot a lot of threes. Um, that's sort of the design of becoming. Uh, a threat to the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the Celtics do that as well. Uh, so, and again, we talk about this copycat league, and that's where uh, these teams are at now. So, I think in terms of the matchup, they're very similar in that sense. Um, it, it, it's something that rebounding will be will be a very big factor because obviously, when you look to space the floor, or when you look to be more athletic around the perimeter, uh, you, you're going to have to sacrifice some size, and that's mm-hmm. what the Raptors have done in uh, starting uh, Ibaka at center. So um, 
Siakam, if he can keep those rebounding numbers, uh, get those rebounding numbers up, um, that'll make a big difference. And then just gang rebounding in general, right? It, it, I think there's still uh, some standing around where you know you're chasing guys, or not just the standing around. It's the fact that you know you're chasing guys off the line, um, but then but you're ending up in the crowd, and now this guy can go get his own miss. Uh, so. That's another thing that maybe they have to look at in terms of how they're contesting, um, being maybe uh, a little more careful about the runouts mm. uh, off uh, off shots that are coming from above the break. So um, in terms of the matchup, those are things that I think both teams uh, do. So I think uh, when it comes down to it, if the Raptors are healthy um, and they have all their wings available, that's a big thing to be able to throw a size at Kyrie and just sort of compact the court in terms of his options um, with the with the, with the wingspan. Um, but again, that's something that the Celtics can do to Kyle Lowry as well by throwing size at him. Yeah. Um, so again, we're, we're, we're still both at like, both teams are at incomplete stages right now. Yeah. Um, this was obviously a progression from that second game. Um, but I, I, I think we're still quite a way away from uh, seeing the best versions of either team. I mean, Gordon Hayward is still uh, finding himself in the Celtics offense. Jalen Brown, I don't, I don't know if you expect him to be this bad for forever. Um, at some point, you might you might even have to consider bringing him off the bench mm-hmm. um, and see, see how that goes. So, yeah, we're still a long way from seeing the fully formed versions of this team, but obviously based on the two games, um, it seems like these two if they if they meet in the playoffs it's it seems destined to go seven games right yeah i think so it seems like a uh a really kind of evenly matched thing but it does feel like the raptors match up particularly well and i guess it's just because like their roster is constructed as such that they just have like a million wings which is what the celtics also have so it makes sense that they're kind of evenly matched um, just so we're getting to the point of the season where there's some lineup data that can be a little bit useful for like the most used lineups. Uh, the Raptors starters with Ibaka instead of JV are at 154 minutes played so far. 115.5 offensive rating, 95.1 defensive rating. Uh, rebounding percentage of 50.3, which I think you'll take considering the amount of shooting and offense you have on that in that lineup and the amount of defense. So like even if you're giving up the odd offensive board here and there and you're not, you know, completely winning the rebounding battle you're, you're forcing so many misses that i feel like you'll take that any day the effective field goal percentage of opposing teams there is 57.8 percent um which isn't awesome and let me just see here sorry that's their own effective field goal percentage i don't have the opponent numbers i'm an idiot anyway uh and against the celtics let me just pull this up here um come on nba.com get your shit together uh so 32 of those minutes have come against the celtics for that lineup 104.4 offensive rating, 72.1 defensive rating, and a 32.4 net. Uh, that is good. That's really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the offense, I guess you'd <laughs> expect that the offense would be a little bit depressed against the Celtics because the, the Celtics can't play offense themselves, but they sure can stop offenses. So that's uh, encouraging for sure. That The fact that you have that lineup as your staple lineup and they're doing so well. And again, th- 32 minutes is not much, but... We have seen, I think, their two best stretches in any game against the Celtics. The end of the first game and the second quarter of the second game have both come with that lineup on the court. So um, that's interesting for sure. I wonder if we'll see... Are you surprised that we didn't see, like, Siakam maybe try to guard Kyrie for a little bit? 
Or was that was that too much? I mean, Nick Nurse talked after the game about like not busting out all the defensive stuff they have because why use it this early? Which I kind of subscribe to that idea too. But um, mm-hmm. like, do you, are you surprised they didn't try to do something to try to slow down Kyrie? Um. So, so again, foul trouble might might have been a factor there. Yeah. Um. I think uh, in terms of Siakam, I just like him way better. Um as a help defender where he can wreak so much havoc off the ball. Yeah. Um, so I, I just prefer that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's a look that the Raptors can go to. Obviously when Kyrie is going like that, you want to throw as many different options at him as possible, right? Like that's what usually the best teams do. And, you know, you look at one of the few times that LeBron James was sort of confounded in his career is when Dallas threw just a, bunch of different defenders at him mm-hmm. you know whether it's jason kidd or sean marion or <laughs> jj Barea, baby yeah exactly <laughs> so um so maybe that's something that nurse is saving um and so we'll, i think that's something again we have to wait and see i don't i don't think that's something the type of thing that nurse would rule out mm-hmm. uh but i also think it's something that um will be more than you know in case of emergency break glass situation I also think Siakam would probably have a little bit more trouble with Kyrie than, say, John Wall. Because John Wall is like, you kind of know what you're getting, right? He's going to drive straight and not do much in the way of nuance. Whereas Kyrie is a little bit more jitterbuggy, a little more uh, yeah. sort of tricky to stay in front of. And his handle is just so much more refined and, and tricky. So um, it might not be quite the same thing. Not everyone is as much of a bum as John Wall is, because I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, I guess we can wrap it on the Celtics. Any other, like, parting shots before we wrap the Celtics game talk? It was fun. I I know it sucked that it was, like, a third straight loss, and that looks gross, but, like, right. in, in a vacuum, I think it was a, a game that ended probably how you would have expected going in, like, a very close win for the Celtics at home. Like, that that doesn't shock me, really. Yeah, no, it, I, I think, if anything, it just, if, it just puts a little bit more pressure on the next two games because you... Ideally, you do want to win the season series. Yeah. Um, just to make that statement, so you, you obviously now you got to win the next two. So when do they play again? Win. That's a good question. It's a good. It's a good question, Sean. Something, yeah. something that I was not prepared for. <laughs> uh, I don't. Know, it's not. It's not really a good question. I, I wouldn't say a, a good question is something you can Google. I was just. Yeah. I had not uh, thought about this. But, but if there is one thing that I have been thinking about yeah. with the Celtics and and Philly's slow start and the Jazz as well, it's because of the way um, offense has shifted this season, mm-hmm. even more so than last season, it seems like it's become even more paramount uh, to be an elite team that you have an offensive juggernaut. Yeah, And so I think maybe that's where the Celtics... Um, maybe a bit lacking where the Jazz may be a bit lacking where uh, Philly now we got to see what they look like uh, with Jimmy Butler so um, I feel like that may be part of their offensive drop off mm-hmm. and so but again you know you get to the playoffs it comes down to having shot creation and again they will have that advantage because they've got so many guys that can create shots now obviously it's become a huge development in terms of the playoffs of having Siakam develop that spin move yeah. of having uh, Serge Ibaka being able to roll to the basket and finish the way he's finishing right now so those are things that will matter um, 
but yeah, that that balance of shot creation in the playoffs versus right now seeing the value of just having um, an offensive juggernaut, uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it play how how, it, how that transforms uh, into the playoffs because we've seen you know the referees change how they call things in the playoffs before, so this seems to be one of the rare times what the, where they've already like seem to be continuing you know this freedom of movement. Uh, beyond the first couple of games of the season. So mm-hmm. if it goes in the playoffs, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that idea that without a juggernaut of an offense, then having a really good defense only has so much value, right? Because yeah. like, I, th- I think coming into the year, those teams you mentioned, the Sixers, Celtics, Raptors, Jazz, like if you would have penciled those four teams into the top five in defense, I think most people would have said, yeah, that looks like it makes sense. And for the Raptors to be the only of those teams that really has – like a really potent offense right now and I guess the Sixers could get there but right now they're sitting 18th and the Jazz are 20th and the Celtics are 27th my god maybe Brad Stevens not the best coach in the world huh huh (laughs) learn offense first bud uh but yeah no um I shouldn't call him bud bud actually knows how to coach offense they're second Uh, but yeah, no, there's something to that idea that maybe the Raptors have differentiated themselves because their offense has remained excellent, and um, but they also have the defense to go with it. That that that's interesting theory to me. Um, the Thank fact that the Raptors are the fact that the Raptors are third in offense, like that that's impressive considering that they're working in a new superstar. I guess that's not really that impressive considering they've been top five forever, and you add someone better, maybe that makes sense. But still, they're very good on <laughs> offense. Um, we're going to get to the Bulls game in just a sec, but first, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right here. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their podcasts, so why not get in the podcast game? Our demographic is 98% male with more education and earning than a traditional media audience. You can have your company sponsor this podcast right now. Email me at sean.woodley1 at gmail.com and we can get that process started for you. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to the Bulls game. The Bulls make me so, so sad, man. Like, I know they were hurt and stuff, but like they just have uh, not a whole lot in terms of uh, NBA talent. They're like Chris Boucher should have got run in this game because he does really well against G League opponents. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they're. Just looking at their guards without Levine, it's a bad, bad situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was hoping to see more from Wendell Carter Jr., but it's tough on a rookie to be in that situation where he doesn't have guys to support him to really be effective. Yeah. Um, so that was a little uh, of a bummer. But yeah, just even just seemingly the overall lack of compete. Um, because you would think that if you're the Bulls, you're looking at that team coming in um, on your home floor as depleted as they were on the wings, that it might give you at least a chance to compete. I mean, you look at what they did in the first half of their game against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, I guess that was completely obliterated by what Milwaukee did in the second half. They just 
completely distraught, I guess. Uh, I don't really have uh, words to describe what they did in the <laughs> second half. Like, it was just really, really ugly and really, really bad. Like, I, I kind of just wanted the game to be called at a point. Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I didn't watch the fourth quarter, and I kind of only, like, skimmed through the first three because I was working last night during the game, and I had to watch it this morning, and uh, only paid loose attention, looked up every once in a while when Matt Devlin yelled when Serge Ibaka dunked all over um, whoever it was he dunked all over. Was it Wendell Carter I Jr.? Th- I thought it was Jabari. I kind of oh, my, to- yeah, that sounds like a Jabari thing, getting dunked on. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Serge wishes it was Robin Lopez, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which bull play which bulls player makes you the saddest? Which bulls player makes me the saddest? Um I guess just thinking of Justin Holiday and right. the fact that he was on the Warriors at a time. <laughs> and has since played for the Hawks and the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. That, that that's gotta be a sad, sad situation to be in. Yeah, I think for me. I mean, I guess it, I can't be that sad for campaign because he is clearly not an NBA player but is getting NBA minutes and starting. Like, he might be worse than Lorenzo Brown. I don't yeah, think awesome. that's insane to say. Like, the yeah. fourth-string Raptors point guard might be better than their emergency starting point guard. That yeah. is pretty crazy. Um, so I guess I'm not sad for him. Like, good on you, campaign, I suppose. Like, some you definitely have nudes of Gar packs, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just thought of something. So, uh, Round Ball Rock, very good podcast. Joey Devine has been on this podcast, as has uh, uh, Sean Keen hasn't. But listen to Round Ball Rock. But this week they did an episode where they compared every NBA GM to uh, a, a, a sex scene in a movie, like a famous sex scene, and the the one that they had for Gar Packs and and it, like. It, I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I don't want I want you to listen to this episode of Roundball Rock and be it's not the most savory of thoughts. So I'll, I'll tell Vivek after we're off air. But listen to Roundball Rock <laughs> if you want to hear that comparison and much more. God, just a fantastic concept for a podcast. Anyway, uh, so yeah, campaign doesn't make me that sad. I think it's Jabari Parker, man. Like the, just from where he was, second overall pick. That and just like the off season comments about him not being paid to play defense and yet still being the go-to guy or one of the go-to guys on what is the 28th best offense in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that their defense is ranked higher than their offense is one of the more shocking things to me this season. Like, I thought the Bulls were going to be, like, competent on offense because all they had was one-way offensive players, and yet they're still so bad at offense that their defense still outpaces it. I just don't get it. I guess we got to see how it plays out once Markinen and Portis are back. Yeah. Um, Chris Dunn, too, right? So, yeah, that's true. Um, but when, when a bad team is missing all those guys, um, and obviously Zach Levine for this game, um, I think I, I think it will play out the way you imagined with the offense being at least maybe somewhat respectable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this just might be an early season thing because of injuries. Any uh, opinions on what the Raptors players did in this one? Opinions on what, I mean, it was it was nice to see Fred VanVleet uh, find some rhythm. Hell yeah, um, yeah. So that that was an encouraging thing. Uh, so hopefully he can carry that over into the games coming up. Outside of that, uh, thought DeLon Wright looked fine. Sobibaka is still doing his thing. Uh, Kyle Lowry 
save save finding your rhythm for games that matter. Um, <laughs> Hopefully his ankle's good. And, I think his ankle's yeah, supposed yeah. to be fine. Nick Nurse said he doesn't think it's serious, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I guess so, that's yeah. Do you want to see Kyle rest a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to rest for this for the Bulls game. I really did. I, I thought. I wrote in my preview for Raptors HQ, like, I, I would have just rested everybody because, holy shit, they could beat this Bulls team with nobody. Um, like, just let Boucher and Lloyd go to work and they'd kill them. But, um, yeah. yeah, like, Lowry with the ankle thing and then, like, there was – on Wednesday against the Pistons, I don't know how many people caught this, but at the yeah, end of the game that. there, he kind of got knocked a little bit and was limping for a few possessions. And, like, it's just these little things, but, like, you don't want that stuff to build up and have him – you know, be just like slowly beaten down in a rubble over the course of the season because, like, whenever he plays, he's going to play like Kyle Lowry. He's going to take charges in thirty-point games, and like he's you're just not going to stop him from doing it. So honestly, there there might not be a guy in the league you need to protect from himself more than Kyle Lowry. So I would not hate if like so the Raptors have back-to-backs in Orlando and Atlanta this week. If you rest Kyle for one and Kawhi for the other, I wouldn't hate that. I think that'd be a good yeah. idea. I don't know if we'll see it happen, but I wouldn't hate it. I agree. Yeah, no, rest them. I mean, it, it's a back-to-back again, so let Kawhi play whichever one he wants to and let Kyle rest uh, for the other one. So, yeah. um, no, I, I definitely think it's important to get him his rest. We saw how effective that was uh, or how conducive that was to playoff success uh, for him last last year. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it work to his detriment when he's been overworked in seasons before. So um, as he ages, it should only become more of a priority, I feel. Um, obviously, there's been the aspect of Nick Nurse wanting to get uh, Kawhi and Kyle on the same page as quickly as possible. There's the, uh, the side that uh, will tell you Fred Van Lee's been injured, Lon Wright's been injured, so the opportunity hasn't really been there. Mm-hmm. Um but now, you know, hopefully if Fred starts to get going, if Delon uh, can keep his game up, um, then hopefully we'll see some rest for Kyle. And then hopefully at some point you get CJ and Norm back and then there's even more reason to do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, one last thing before we wrap, thing, wrap things here. Pascal Siakam had five assists. Uh, he's an insanely good passer, which seems unfair considering how unguardable he is. Although he went 4 of 10 last night, which is a garbage completely ass night for him from the field by his standards um brought his true shooting percentage all the way down to 67.4 with that um, so but yeah the assists with him i think they're only going to continue i like frothed at the mouth when nurse made mention of the idea of playing him a point guard a little bit in that all bigs lineup essentially or all wings lineup right. um yeah. yeah the pascal season is like my favorite thing so far this year. I don't think it's even close with the Raptors. Like watching Pascal every night is just a delight. Uh, and twelve eight and five for him with a block and a steal. Like that is. Uh, I, I said at the start of the year, I thought he was going to become the Raptors' third best player by the end of the year. He might be that pretty convincingly right now, which is pretty wild. So, shouts to Pascal. Um, shouts to Pascal. Uh, I think that could do it. We've gone pretty long here. I'm going to get in trouble for this being this long. So uh, we can wrap it there. Vivek, do you have anything that you want to talk or promote or whatever that's coming up for you? Uh, I'll have a feature on Danny Green uh, coming out soon for Vice Sports. I will have a Kyle Lowry story coming out for The Athletic soon. Um, just looking at, you know, potentially a historic run to lead the league in assists after never really being close to doing it in right seasons on. before. 
Cool, man. Avivek uh, and Jacob on Twitter. We'll probably have you, on, have you on again later this week if it lines up because we didn't have you last week for some reason, just the way schedules worked out and whatnot. Um, yep. So thank you for coming on. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. You can – my alarm's going off. Uh, you can follow me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcast to Locked on Raptors. And if you leave a rating or review, it would be very, very sweet of you, and I would appreciate you forever and ever and ever. Um, I don't know what I'm going to have written this week. I'm going to have a couple of premium podcasts on the Patreon feed, so make sure you're looking out for those. A mailbag podcast one day, and then that episode I talked about with Blake Murphy coming down the pipe as well later on this week and um oh that's the other thing i need to promote next week uh, or two weeks like 10 days from now i suppose oh, nine days eight days i don't know november 27th whenever the hell that is i will be uh hosting a live podcast from odds bar in hamilton it is right downtown james street south uh 164 james street south and also it's like right by the go bus terminal if you want to come from out of town to come check it out it's like a 10-step walk you can get on the bus and off there's an express bus that goes to union if that's yet if that's your bag ah, if that's your bag and uh i'd love to see you out we're gonna watch the game against the grizzlies do a little q a podcast beforehand might be a couple friends there uh kelsey o'brien from uh, raptors hq might come around so yeah if you want to come do that in hamilton it's uh, it's a good time and odds has delicious food it's Novemberger right now in hamilton which is the best thing in the world where all the restaurants have a burger contest and i have eaten myself to death the last week or so with Novemberger's, and they have one at odds too so come on out it'll be a good time uh it's 164 james street south next tuesday november 27th for a live podcast at odds the bar and that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.